so I hope it, I hope you like it as much as I do. K. Rowling. Read to you by Talon. Chapter 2. Aunt Marge's Big Mistake. Harry went down to breakfast next morning to find the three Dursleys already sitting around the kitchen table. They were watching the brand new television. A welcome home present for the welcome home for the summer present for Dudley, who had been complaining loudly about the long walk between the fridge and the television in the living room. Dudley had spent most of his summer in the kitchen, his piggy little eyes fixed on the screen and his five chins wobbling as he ate continuously, continually. Harry sat down between Dudley and Uncle Vernon, a large, beefy man with very little neck and a lot of mustache. Far from wishing Harry for a happy birthday, none of the Dursleys gave any sign that they had noticed Harry entered the room. But Harry was too used to this care. He helped himself to a piece of toast and then looked up at the newsreader on the tablet uh, on the television. Who was halfway through a report on an escaped convict. The public is warned that black is armed and extremely dangerous. A special hotline has been set up and any sighting of black should be reported immediately. No need to tell us he's no good, snorted Uncle Vernon, staring over the top of his newspaper at the prisoner. Look at the state of him. He's a filthy layabout. Look at his hair. He shot a nasty look sideways at Harry, whose untidied hair had always been a source of great annoyance to Uncle Vernon. Compared to the man on the television, however, whose gaunt face was surrounded by by a matted elbow-length tangle. Harry felt very well-groomed indeed. The newsreader had reappeared. The Ministry of, Ag- the Ministry of Ag- Agriculture and Fisheries will announce today. Hang on, barked Uncle Vernon, staring furiously at the newsreader. You didn't tell us where this maniac's escaped from. What its use is that? Lunatic could be coming up the street right now. Aunt Petunia, who was bony and horse-faced, whipped around and peered intently out of the kitchen window. Harry knew that Aunt Petunia would simply love to be the one who caught the, to, would be the one to call the hotline number. She wasn't the nosiest. She was the nosiest person in the world and spent most of her time, most of her life, spying on her boring, law-abiding neighbors. When will they learn, said Uncle Vernon, pounding the table with his large purple fist, that hanging's the only way to deal with these people. Very true, said Aunt Petunia, who was still squinting next door into the next door's runner beans. Into the next door's runner beans. Uncle Vernon drained his teacup, glanced at his watch and added, I'd better be off in a minute. Better be off in a minute, Petunia. Marge's train gets gets in at ten. Harry, who whose thoughts had been upstairs with the broomstick servicing kit, was brought back to earth with with an unpleasant bump. 
Aunt Marge, he blurted out. She's coming? She's not coming here, is she? Aunt Marge was Uncle Vernon's sister, even though she was not a blood relative of Harry's. His mother had been Aunt Petunia's sister, who was forced to call her Aunt all of his life. Aunt Marge lived lived in the country, lived in the country, in a house with a large garden where she bred bulldogs. She didn't often stay at Cribber Drive because she couldn't bear to leave her precious dogs. But, but each of her visits stood out hor- stood out horribly vividly in Harry's mind. At Harry at Dudley's fifth birthday party, Aunt Marge had had whacked Harry around the shins with her walking stick to stop him from beating Dudley at musical statues. He is a few uh, a few years later. He had turned up at Christmas with a computerized robot for Dudley and a box of dog biscuits for Harry. On her last visit, the year before Harry had started at Hogwarts, Harry had accidentally trodden on the paw of her favorite dog, Ripper. Of her favorite dog. Ripper had chased Harry out into the garden and up a tree, and Aunt Marge refused to call him off until past midnight. The memory of this incident still brought tears of laughter to Dudley's eyes. Marge will be here for a week, Uncle Vernon snarled. And while you're at, while we're on the subject, he pointed a fat finger threateningly at Harry. We need a few, we need to get a few things straight before I go and collect her. Dudley smirked and withdrew his gaze from the television, watching Harry being bullied by Uncle Vernon was Dudley's favorite form of entertainment. Firstly. Growled Uncle Vernon. You'll keep a civil tongue in your head when you're talking to Marge. All all right, said Harry bitterly. If she does, if she does when she's talking to me. Secondly, said Uncle Vernon, acting as though he had not heard Harry's reply. Marge doesn't know anything about your abnormalities. I don't want any... Any funny stuff while she's here. You you behave yourself, got me? I will if she does, said Harry through gritted teeth. And thirdly, said Uncle Vernon, his mean little eyes now slits in his great purple face. In his great purple face. We've told Marge you attend St. Brutus's Secure Center for Criminal... For in- Curably crim- for incurably criminal boys. What? Harry yelled. And you'll be sticking to that story, boy, or there'll be trouble, said Uncle Vernon. Harry sat there, white-faced and furious, staring at Uncle Vernon, hardly able to believe, to believe it. Aunt Marge coming for a week, for a week-long visit. This was the worst birthday present the Dursleys had ever given him, including the pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. Well, Petunia, said Uncle Vernon, getting heavy to his feet, 
I'll be off to the station then. Want to come along for the ride, debtors? No, said Dudley. His attention had returned to the television now that Uncle Vernon had finished threatening Harry. Daddy is trying to make himself smart for his auntie, said Aunt Petunia, smoothing Dudley, Dudley's thick blonde hair. Let me put on a lovely new bow tie. Uncle Vernon clapped Dudley on his porky shoulder. See you in a bit, then, he said, and he left the kitchen. Harry, who had been sitting in a kind of hor horrified trance, had a sudden idea. Abandoning his toast, he got quickly to his feet and followed Uncle Vernon to the front door. Uncle Vernon was pulling on his carcass. I'm not taking you, he snarled as he turned to see Harry watching him. Like I want to come, said Harry coldly. I want to, I want to ask you something. Uncle Vernon eyed him with sus suspiciously. Third years at Hog, at my school, are allowed to visit the village sometimes, said Harry. So, snapped Uncle Vernon, taking his car keys from a, from a hook next to the door. I need you to sign the, the permission form, said Harry in a rush. And why should I do that, sneered Uncle Vernon. Well, said Harry, choosing his words carefully, it'd be hard, it'll be hard work pretending to, pretending to Aunt Marge that I go to St. What's-its, St. Brutus's Secure Center for, incrimin for Incurably Criminal Boys, Bell bellowed Uncle Vernon, and Harry was pleased to hear a definite note of panic in Uncle Vernon's voice. Exactly, said Harry, looking calmly up into Uncle Vernon's large purple face. It'll be a lot to remember. I'll have to make it sound really convincing, won't I? What if I accidentally let something slip? You'll get the stuffing knocked out of you. You'll get the stuffing knocked out of you, won't you? Roared Uncle Vernon, advancing on Harry with his fist raised. But Harry stood his ground. Knocking the stuffing out of me won't, won't make Aunt Marge forget what I could tell her, he said grimly. Uncle Vernon, Uncle Vernon stopped, pressed his fist raised to his face. Knocking the stuffing out of me won't make Aunt Marge forget what I could tell her, he said grimly. Uncle, Ver Uncle Vernon stopped, his fist still raised, his face an ugly puce. But if you sign my permission form, Harry went on quickly. I'll swear I'll, I'll, I'll remember where I'm supposed to go to school, and I'll act like a mug. I'll act like I'll act like I'm normal, and I'll act. I'll act like I'm normal and everything. 
Harry could tell that Uncle Vernon was thinking it over. Even his teeth were bared. And even if his teeth were bared and a vein throbbing wait what? Harry could tell Uncle Vernon was thinking it over. Even if his teeth were bared and a vein was throbbing in his temple. Right, he snapped finally. I shall monitor your behavior carefully during Marge's visit. If at the end at the end of it you have you have towed the line to keep up and kept up the story, I'll sign your ready form. He wheeled around, pulled open the front door, and slammed it so hard that one of the little panes of glass fell out and Harry fell out. Harry didn't return to the kitchen. He went back upstairs to his bedroom. If he was going to act like a real muggle, he'd better start now. Slowly, slowly and sadly, he gathered up all his presents and, and his birthday cards and hid them under the loose floorboard with his homework. Then he went to Hedwig's cage. Errol seemed to have recovered. He and Hedwig were both asleep, head under their wings. Harry sighed and poked them both awake. Hedwig, he said gloomily, you're going to have to clear off for a week. Go with Errol. Ron will look after you. I'll write him a note explaining. And don't, and don't look at me like that. Hedwig's large amber eyes were, were, were reproachful. It's not my fault. It's the only way I'll be able to, I'll be allowed to visit Hogsmeade with Ron and Hermione. Ten minutes later, Errol and Hedwig, who's, who had a note bound to a leg, soared out of the window and out of sight. Harry, now feeling though miserable, put the empty cage away inside of the wardrobe. But Harry didn't have long, long to brood. In the next, in next to no time, Aunt Petunia was shrieking up the stairs for Harry to come down and get ready to welcome their guest. Do something with your hair. Do something about your hair. Aunt Petunia snapped as he reached the hall. Harry couldn't see the point of trying to make his hair lie flat. Aunt Marge loved criticizing him. So the untidier he looked, the happier she would be. All too soon, there was a crunch of gravel outside of, outside, as Uncle Vernon's car pulled back into the driveway. Then, the clunk of a car, of car doors and footsteps on the garden path. Get the door, Aunt Petunia hissed at Harry. A feeling of great gloom in his stomach, a feeling of great gloom in his stomach, Harry pulled open the door. On the threshold stood Aunt Marge. She was very like Uncle Vernon. Large, beefy, and purple face. She even had a mustache though not as bushy as his. In one hand, she held an enormous suitcase, and tucked, and tucked under the other was an old and evil-tempered bulldog. Where's, where's my gutters? Or Aunt Marge. Where's my nappy poo? Dudley came waddling down the hall, his blonde hair plastered flat to his fat head, 
a bow tie just visible under the many chins. Aunt Marge thrust the suitcase into Harry's stomach, knocking the wind out of him, seized Dudley in a tight one-armed hug, and planted a large kiss on his cheek. Harry knew perfectly well that Dudley only put up, put up with Aunt Marge's big hugs, with Aunt Marge's hugs, because he was well paid for it. And sure enough, when they broke apart, Dudley had a crisp twenty-pound note clutched in his fat fist. Petunia! Shouted Aunt Marge, strutting past Harry as though he was a hat stand. Aunt Marge and Aunt Petunia kissed, or rather. Aunt Marge bumped her large jaw against Aunt Petunia's bony cheekbone. Uncle Vernon came in, smiling jovially as he shut the door. Tea, Marge, he said, and what will Ripper take? Ripper can have some, some tea out of my saucer, said Aunt Marge, as they all trooped into the kitchen, leaving Harry alone in the hall with the suitcase. Harry wasn't complaining. Any excuse not to be with Aunt Marge was fine with him, so he began to heave the case upstairs into the spare bedroom, taking as long as he could. By the time he got back to the kitchen, Aunt Marge had been supplied with tea and fruitcake, and Ripper was laughing noisily in the corner. Harry saw Aunt Petunia wince slightly as specks of tea and drool flecked, a clean, flecked her clean floor. Aunt Petunia hated animals. Who's looking after the other dogs, Marge? Oh, we've got Colonel Flubster managing them, boomed Aunt Marge. He's retired now, good for him to have something to do. But I couldn't leave poor old Ripper. He pines if he's away from me. Ripper began to growl again as Harry sat down. This directed Aunt Marge's attention to Harry for the first time. So, he barked, still here you are. Are you? Yes, said Harry. Don't you say yes in that ungrateful tone, Aunt Marge growled. It's damn good of Vernon and Petunia to keep you. Wouldn't have done it myself. You'd have gone straight to an orphanage if you'd been dump on, dumped on my doorstep. Harry was bursting to say that he'd rather live in an orphanage live in an orphanage than with the Dursleys, but he thought of the hogsmaid form and stopped him. But the thought of the hogsmaid form stopped him. He forced his face into a painful smile. Don't you smirk at me, boomed Aunt Marge. I can see you haven't improved since the last time I saw you. I hope, I hope school would knock some manners into you. He took a large gulp of tea, wiped her mustache, and said, Where is it that you send them again, Vernon? St. Bruce's, said Uncle Vernon promptly. The first-rate institution for hopeless cases. I see, said Aunt Marge. Do they use the cane at St. Bruce's, boy? She barked across the table. Uh. Uncle Vernon nodded curtly behind Aunt Marge's back. Yes said Harry. Then, feeling he might as well do the thing properly, he added, all the time. Excellent, said Aunt Marge. I won't have this namby-pamby, wishy-washy nonsense about not hitting people who deserve it. 
good thrashings, which is what is what's needed in 99 cases out of 100. Have you been beaten often? Oh, yeah, said Harry, loads of times. Aunt Marge narrowed her eyes. I still don't like your tone, boy, she said. If you can speak of your beatings in that casual way, they clearly aren't hitting you hard enough. Petunia, I'd rather follow you. Make it clear that you approve, approve the use of extreme force in this boy's case. Perhaps Uncle Vernon was worried that Harry might forget their bargain. In any case, he changed the subject abruptly. Heard the news this morning, Marge? What about that escaped prisoner, eh? As Aunt Marge started making herself at home, Harry caught himself thinking almost longingly for life at number four without her. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia usually encouraged Harry to stay out of their way. Which Harry was only too happy to do. Aunt Marge, on the other hand, wanted Harry under her eye at all times. So that she could boom out suggestions for his improvement. She delighted in comparing Harry with Dudley. And took a huge pleasure in buying Dudley expensive presents. While glaring at Harry. As though daring him to ask why he, why he hadn't got a present too. She also made Harry, she also, she also kept throwing out dark hints about what made Harry such an unsatisfactory person. You mustn't blame yourself for the, for the way the, the boys turned out, Vernon, he said over lunch the third day. There's something rotten, if, if there's something rotten inside, there's nothing anyone can do about it. Harry tried to concentrate on his food, but his hand shook and his face was starting to burn with anger. Remember the form, he told himself. Think about Hogsmeade. Don't say anything. Don't rise. Aunt Marge reached for her glass of wine. It's one of the basic rules of breeding, she said. You see it all the time in, in dogs. If there's something wrong with the bitch, there's something wrong with the pup. And at that moment, the wine glass Aunt Marge was holding exploded in her hand. Shards of glass flew in every direction, and Aunt Marge spluttered and blinked. Her great ruddy face dripping. Marge, squealed Aunt Petunia. Marge, are you alright? Not to worry, grunted Aunt Marge, mopping her face with a napkin. Must have squeezed it too hard. Did the same thing to Colonel Flubster the other day. No need to fuss, Petunia. I have a very firm grip. But Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon were both looking at Harry suspiciously. So he decided he'd better skip pudding and escape from the table as soon as he could. Outside in the hall, he looked against, against the wall, breathing deeply. It had been a long time since he'd lost control and made something explode. He couldn't afford to let it happen again. The Hogsmeade form wasn't the only thing at stake. If he carried on like that, he would be in trouble with the Ministry of Magic. Harry was still an underage wizard. Harry was still an underage wizard.
and he was forbidden by wizard law to do magic outside of school. It was recorded. His record wasn't exactly clean either. Only last summer, he got an official warning, which had stated quite clearly that if the ministry got wind of any more magic in Trivet Drive, Harry would face expulsion from Hogwarts. He had heard the Dursleys leaving the table and hurried upstairs out of the way. Harry got through the next three days by forcing himself to think about his handbook and do-it-yourself of do-it-yourself room care. Whenever Aunt Mars started started on him, this worked quite well, though it seemed to give him a glazed look, because Aunt Mars started voicing the opinion that he was mentally subnormal. At last, at last, at long last final evening of March's day arrived. Aunt Petunia cooked a fancy dinner, and Uncle Vernon uncorked several bottles of wine. They all got they got all the way through the soup and the salmon without a single mention of Harry's fault. During lemon meringue pie, Uncle Vernon bored them all with a long talk about Vernon, his drill-making company. And then, Aunt Petunia made coffee, and Uncle Vernon brought out a bottle of brandy. Can I tempt you, Marge? Aunt Marge had already been, re- already had a rather lot of wine. Her huge face was already was very red. Just a small one, then she chuckled. A bit more than that. A bit more. That's the boy. Dudley was eating his fourth slice of pie. Aunt Petunia was sipping coffee with her little finger sticking out. Harry really wanted to disappear to his be- into his bedroom. But met Uncle Vernon's angry little eyes and knew what and knew he would have to sit it out. Ah, said Aunt Marge, smacking her lips and putting the empty brandy glass back down. Excellent nosh, Petunia. It's normally just... It's normally just a frat for me. Of an evening with twelve dogs to look to look after. She burped richly and patted her great tweed stomach. Pardon me, but I do like to see a healthy-sized boy. She went on, winking at Dudley. You'll be a proper-sized man, Ditters, just like your father. Yes, I'll have a spot more brandy, Vernon. Now that's now this th- now this one here. She jerked her head at Harry, who felt his stomach clench. The handbook, he thought. He thought quickly. This one's got a mean, runty look about him. You'll get that with dog. I had Colonel Flubster drown one last year. Ratty little thing it was. Weak, underbred. Harry was trying to remember the page 12 of his book. The, a charm to cure reluctant reversers. It all comes down to blood, as I was saying the other day. Bad blood will out. Now, I'm not saying nothing against your family, Petunia. She patted Aunt Petunia's bony hand with her shovels, with her shovel-like one. 
But your sister was a bad egg. They turned up to the best of family. Then she ran off with that, with the wasted, and here's the result right in front of us. Harry was staring at his plate, a funny ringing in his ears. Grasped your, grasped your broom firmly by the tail, he thought, but he couldn't remember what came next. Aunt Marge's voice seemed to be boring into him like one of Uncle Vernon's drills. Miss Potter, said Aunt Marge loudly, seizing the brandy bottle and splashing more into her glass over the tablecloth and over the tablecloth. He never told me what he did. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia were looking extremely tense. Dudley had even looked up from the pie even looked up from the pie to gape at his parents. He didn't work, said Uncle Vernon, with a half glance at Harry. Unemployed. As I expected, said Aunt Marge, taking a huge swig of brandy and wiping her chin with her on her sleeve. And no account, no account, good for nothing, lazy scrounger who he was not, said Harry suddenly. The table went very quiet. He was shaking all over. He had never felt so angry in his life. More brandy, yelled Uncle Vernon, who had gone very white. He emptied the bottle into Marge's glass. You boy, he snarled at Harry. Go to bed. Go on. No, Vernon, hiccuped Aunt Marge, holding, holding up a hand, her tiny bloodshot eyes fixed on Harry's. Go on, boy. Proud of your parents, are you? They, they go and, they go and get themselves killed in a car crash. Drunk, I expect. They didn't die in a car crash, said Harry found himself on his feet. They died in a car crash, you nasty little liar. Left you with left you to be a burden on their decent, hard working relatives, screamed Aunt Marge, swelling with fury. You're an insolent, ungrateful little But Aunt Marge suddenly stopped stopped speaking. For a moment it looked as though her words words had failed her. She seemed to be swelling with inexpressible anger. The swelling didn't stop. Her great red face started started to expand. Her tiny eyes bulged and her mouth stretched too tightly for speech. Next second, several buttons burst from her tweed jacket and pinged off the walls. She was inflating like a monstrous balloon. Her stomach was bursting free of her tweed waistband. Each of her fingers blowing up like like a salami. Marge! yelled Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia together. As Aunt Marge's whole body began to rise off her chair towards the ceiling. She was entirely round. She was entirely round now. Like a vast... Like a vast boy with piggy eyes and her hands and feet stuck out weirdly as she drifted into the air making apoplectic popping noises.
Ripper came skidding into the room, barking madly. No! Uncle Vernon seized one of Marge's feet and tried to pull her down again, but was almost lifted from the floor himself. Next second, Ripper had leapt forward and sunk his teeth into Uncle Vernon's leg. Harry came from the dining room before anyone could tore from the dining room before anyone could stop him. Heading for the cupboard under under the stairs. The cupboard burst open magically, and he reached it as he reached it as he reached it. In seconds he had heaved his his trunk to the floor. He sprinted upstairs, threw himself under the berth, wrenched up the loose floorboards, and grabbed his pillowcase full of books and birthday presents. He wriggled out, seized Hed Hedwig's empty cage, and dashed back downstairs to his trunk, just as Uncle Vernon burst into the dining room, out of the dining room, his trouser, his trouser leg in bloody tatters. Come back here, he bellowed. Come back and put her right. But a reckless rage had come over Harry. He kicked the trunk open, pulled out his wand, and pointed it at Uncle Vernon. She deserved it, he said. Harry said, breathing very fast. She deserved what she got. You keep away from me. He fumbled behind him for the catch on for the catch on on the door. I'm going, Harry said. I've had bad I've had bad enough. And the next moment he was out in the dark, quiet street, leaving his heavy trunk behind him, Hedwig's cage under his arm. And that's the end of chapter two.